Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here today and share with you what I've been learning lately. And this is going to be different from what I usually speak about with my podcast, but I'm excited to share it with you because it's so close to my heart. I've learned so much and I have a lot to share and it's going to be a long podcast. I'm going to have it in two parts, actually, I decided. So because there's just so much to cover. So if you are new to homesteading or want to get started like me, this is going to be for you because I've done so much legwork. I am just like you in that beginning phase of figuring this out and not even knowing where to start. So welcome if you're new here, but if you're all, you've also listened before, you this will be different and interesting. So I'm excited, but I want to just have a disclaimer here. I am not an expert and I'm not currently homesteading. So with that being said, I feel like there's still a lot of power with sharing this with you while I'm still in it, while I'm still figuring out what I want to do and the the work it's taking in my brain to figure it all out in order to find the right piece of land. Because it really all comes down to one thing and that is finding the right piece of land and making sure you can figure it out. And you have to know how much acreage you want, how much you want to tackle with going more off grid or not, with your utilities, where you want to be. So I'm going to be helping you figure that out strategically in a way of those W questions. Why, what, when, where, how, why, you know, those ones I'm talking about a lot on the show, usually before it's usually a great way to figure out a problem. So if, like I said, if you have something to say that is maybe to correct me, do that nicely in the comments because I am not an expert. I might not say things quite correctly. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I have done quite a bit of research. And I also would like to say that I have wish I would have had a video or a podcast like this before when I was first starting out. I had to really figure it all out more from scratch. There, of course, have been things that have helped me along the way with YouTubes and talking with people and other podcasts and just doing the research. But this is going to hopefully bring it all together and you're going to figure it out a little bit quicker, I think, since you're going to be a little bit more on your feet of really knowing what you want. If you're someone that's listening, that's like, I have the desire, but I'm not exactly sure what I want or what it would take if I want that, you know? So excited to talk to you about it today. So let me start from the beginning though of my story. I have always thought in my mind that it would be great to someday have animals and have some more land and have a garden, of course, and just be somewhere a little bit um, slower paced. But it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized I really need to make this a reality in my brain even then. At least taking years to wrap around my brain, talk with my family about it so they can be more on board. And this happened a year after I went through my mental health crisis. I went through a mental health crisis in 2020. And of course, God always does things in layers and he prepares you for what you need. And of course, a lot of people go through their 2020 crisis as well. Mine was just that's just when it happened and I had severe depression and had to go to a rehab for a month to keep myself safe from my suicidal thoughts and I became a new creature in Christ in that way and I have a I have a whole episode about that in this podcast I think podcast number 16 17 18 one of those if you want to scroll back talking about what I've gone through but it was quite an experience to help prepare me for now and able to see and realize, try to self-actualize myself on what I do want and what I desire 
even if that'll take years in the making, which is true. It's been a few years since that's happened and I'm finally realizing I do want to fulfill this dream of mine and especially while my kids are still somewhat young. I'm excited for that. And also even to go back further, the reason also of wanting to homestead for me um, is because I grew up that way um, to an extent. We had two and a half acres, my parents, and I loved being able to help out with the cows and the chickens and the pigs and we had an orchard and a garden and I would chuck corn and I would help with my mom help with the peaches that would grow and we had a barn and just sitting in on the hay in the barn and finding quiet time it was it was just such a great way to spend my childhood and I really did enjoy it and I'm just so glad that my parents did try to get away from it all in that way and it put me in a place where I can thrive. And I had such a great group of friends out there in that small town. I grew up in Arizona, in more of the countryside of Arizona. It's called Queen Creek, Arizona. And my high school was smaller, and I knew more people by name than you would probably in these big thousands of kids high school where there's four or 5,000 kids. And so I, I want to do that same thing for my kids. And more of that why behind it is... I feel personally our society is way too fast and busy and there's a whole different lifestyle when you're out there and if you're lis listening and you're someone that lives that way you know how that is. I did at one point I was in that lifestyle but then I moved away and kind of have to work that way up. Um, unfortunately you know going into the city to afford something, going to school, at least it's the way I, I went about it um, and what I was felt like I was expected to do and also starting off with the family. Um, but now that we do have more means to maybe make this happen, I'm so just so excited to hopefully get back to the land, really try to be more self-reliant as well. And I do have that whole side of it where I do believe that we are to expect our Savior's second coming at some point sooner than we think and we may need to prepare for that but what's funny about that is I have always had this desire to, to homestead it was more of that first thing I was saying of I want to just have it be a slower place life I desire I love animals I love nature but then God had told me that I actually do have this second side to this desire that he's planted in my heart in order to help me and prepare and to protect my family at some point when we may need to be more um, reliant on what we have just with us if there were to ever be a famine or more and more political unrest I would hope to be in a place where I can take care of my kids and myself and maybe be able to help others so it's just so, there's so many good things that can come about with this and with it being a few years ago since I really decided okay I'm going to make this a goal of mine I really want to do this it's going to take some time to really think about it and talk about it as a couple because part of that is my husband is more of a city person and this is not his dream necessarily we've had a lot of discussions about it and he knows I've always liked that and I've always wanted to do this since I really decided three years ago that we were going to do it. Um, it it's, been, it's been quite a journey to figure it out as a couple and he has the means where he can go and 
he can go out and live this way and then go into work once a week to work his shift. He's a firefighter, so he's able to come in and once a week do his um, uh, 40-hour shift and then drive back home. And some people don't always have the opportunity and they have to work in town daily. Um, I know, though, a lot of people are able to work from home and that's also big bonus if you could do that and it makes it easier to transition to homesteading if you can but um that's kind of what 2020 showed us and I saw so many more people talking about homesteading during that time really trying to get somewhere um where the, there's a smaller community also around you there's a different mentality when you're out there I, there there are those people too of course that are out there for a reason to they're out there to homestead to be away from everyone and they may think that the world is crashing down and they don't want any part with anyone but I also know that more than not it's the people that are out there are so kind and sweet and as I've already done my research and talked to people and visited different places people are so kind and I'm so excited to get to that point I love where I'm at now and I have good people here but there is still some discontent in me that wants to get away and find some people that I feel like I'm more aligned with that have more of my same values and beliefs and actually have a little bit more time for those around them in communities since they're not hustling into this culture. There's this, this hustle culture of getting your kids and all the things and making sure you stay busy and making sure you have all the things and have do the job to make sure you have all the things so you have the money for for it. But it's a whole lifestyle. So I hope that, that kind of sets a good base here for you understanding from my side as I now guide you through this whole podcast series of what you can expect for yourself going through those W questions on how you can figure this out and where and when. And now I've just talked about why and I will talk about a little bit more of the why. So let's do that. Let's start with that. So the reasons to start your homesteading. Now, as I have explained for myself, so what will it be for you is the big question here. Really figuring out what you want is really like half the battle here. And really having a, a taste of what it is that you want so you can keep holding on to that even when it gets hard and you're not sure or people start to doubt you, especially since it is a different way to live and it's scarier in that way to have more problems but is it because you want that slower lifestyle and that community around you is it because you want to be more self-reliant and you also believe as well that these things you've already seen so far obviously showing that we're getting closer to Christ coming and there's no conspiracy theory behind that it is real <laughs> and or is it how you grew up kind of like with me so really get a clear idea of that and it's so exciting I love thinking about it and you will get excited too I'm sure whatever that picture is in your mind I've had dreams about it it becomes it becomes like home I mean I feel like our we are meant to be living this way and we are meant to be not so squished together and be able to have some room and some way to create that lifestyle. It's like playing house on a grand level, honestly, is what I think about it. So I can create and design my own property setup of having the the greenhouse over here and this this uh pasture will rotate 
do a rotational graze with the animals over here and then we'll switch to that pasture things like that it's just so fun to think about so that's really your why and get a clear grasp of what that will be it'll be so fun now let's get into the logistics of how because this is a big one right (laughs) and a great place to start if you're just listening to this and you're just having the desires in you you you're not necessarily ready to jump the seed needs to be grown for for some time, at least for me. However, I do feel like sooner sooner, sooner than later is better, since I do feel like things are going to get harder with the with the current world. But you, God will guide you to where you need to be at the time you need to be there. And a great place to start is to get onto, I'd say two, at least two, so you're getting um, a great a great uh, cover of what kind of listings are out there right now. And I have done Zillow and utahrealestate.com. Zillow is okay. It is, it, it honestly has such a beautiful interface and it's very user friendly, but it's not always up to date. But Utah Real Estate is great because you are up to date with it. It's just not as beautiful, <laughs> but it is, it is current and it's, is more local if you are from Utah I'm I'm speaking I'm trying to speak to anyone that's listening to this podcast across the country across the world welcome if you are that's cool but I of course those that are listening that know I'm in Utah that can also may want to do this in Utah giving those specifics may help them but I have a lot to also talk about the, the mechanics to really help you know what to do to get started so there's a lot more to come because we're going to be talking about the land itself for a while. And then I think more in part two, we'll talk about the house itself and figure out what that will entail for you. But just starting it, starting on those apps and creating a saved search is going to be your best friend. So you go on there and poke around, try your best. I'm not, I don't have a whole tutorial on it, or there might be some on YouTube of knowing how to create a saved search. So what that will be is, you know, you always want to be looking for a certain property that is in within a certain price range and a certain lot size, and maybe even in a certain area. That's really probably the three, the three big things. And you can, I know on Zilla, you can draw your finger, at least for me in Utah, I have my finger drawn of how far I want to go. We only want to go about two hours away from my husband's work, max. In order for him to only drive two hours to get into work, work his shift, and then come back two days later, two hours away. At our max, give or take, I if I really find the right property that's two and a half hours away, we may make it work. But um, know that for you, what is going to be, what is that going to look like for you? You will save that search, those partic- particular specifications that you are looking for so that it will send you the notifications instantly when that comes up if there's a new one that comes up and having that be something you do for a year if you can of course if you're listening you're really ready to make it happen this will be your new best friend for a while to figuring out what lot you will need and finding that land because finding the land is the hardest part in this whole thing I feel like yes getting the actual getting the actual utilities and the house there is going to be a lot of hard, a lot of hard work though too but there is a huge process of making sure you get that right property for you and you're not stuck with something that's a dud and the water table's too high so now you're going to get your 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 septic water 
into your you just don't you there's so many things i'll be going into that more that's so interesting every land has its own story so and you also might be wanting to homestead in the sense that you will want to get an existing homestead so i'll also be speaking to that but i'm definitely more leaning towards the side of you're getting your own lot and they're going to want to put on your own house whether it's custom manufactured or other miscellaneous ways of doing doing that and i'll be talking about those specifics right for me i just didn't want to deal with an older farmhouse i wanted it to be mine <laughs> and to really have that creation process it was going to be so fun to know that i made that so that is a great way for you to start so you start getting used to the lingo of those lots coming through it's not necessarily you're going to jump on it and you're ready to buy it but it's sometimes there are lots to come through you don't even really understand the whole game like I saw all sorts of lots come through I'm like oh great there's this lot that's for twenty thousand dollars over here we could totally do that that would we may be able to buy this and be debt free honestly with the equity we have in our house now but I just didn't realize there's a reason there you know I'm just new to it I didn't realize that there's a reason that it's so cheap over there and that also more lots come up over here because that's mainly for cabin homes and those are harder to sell but people that are more within those farm smaller communities the farmland that's been parceled off is more valuable and more attractive to people that are going to live there full time and so you get used to the lingo and maybe you see in the description there that they talk about an easement and that's going to be there's going to be some sort of agreement that you have to cross someone else's property in order to get you to your property. And I'll keep talking about all these specific things to help you look out for. But with looking at Zillow or those different um, those different properties that come through, you'll get an understanding of what that is all like and seeing those that information being detailed about it. You just can't jump into it right away. And for maybe for a while, I was that cl the closet Zillow look, looking at it all the time person. Um, and that will be how you are for a little bit too, trying to understand and also having that conversation with your spouse or whoever else is in your family. It's a great way to start. Now that you've made that safe search, you're probably already like you are here. Maybe you found me through youtube or through podcasts start listening and watching and and i'll get to next talking to people but that listening and watching these different things about homesteading i did the same thing where i went on a kick where i was listening watching about those things a lot so i can get an idea and there are ones out there like this that will give me more specifics of how to start i just didn't feel like they went into the weeds as much as I would have liked because I really do want to know some of those details and they were a little bit more basic about it um, but they still had great content I loved listening to the homesteading family I think is the name of their channel here on YouTube and they're based in Idaho there's also another family in back east I think Connecticut don't quote me on it but they're called homesteady and he He's just a he's just a great guy. He's easy to to just learn from and he talks about how to start as well and just I mean even YouTube channels there are a lot of them and they all kind of have their own niche of what they're doing. And so you'll find where it works works for you and it'll be fun to have you explore. But next what I was going to talk about on the how is talk to people who have done it. This is huge. I think even more than the searching 
um, on YouTube, but being in real life with someone and talking to them about it is a huge deal. So if you can do that, that's gold. I have a brother and sister-in-law who are doing it and they are such great resources to me, honestly, in really knowing how to do this because they've already been doing it for about three, four years now. They start, they started back in 2019 and it's just been so amazing to see what they've been doing along their process and also learning from their mistakes. And she gladly tells me, be careful there. We had to run a line of 300 feet of the power and it was just so much and it was so hard. We had to, because there was a dip in our land. We couldn't put a house there. We had to go over there and those details matter. And for you to talk about it with a real person is going to be great. And I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. These people are very easy to talk to most of the time because they're living that lifestyle of community and they want to help. And it's it's been really cool. And as I've done some of my lots um, searching, I talk with people there too. And they're so sweet and so nice. So really to get more into the ideas of what as well as what we're going to talk about. Well, I'm kind of bouncing around between all the W's here, but it's really important to figure out what you want, like I was saying, in that direction you want to go. So like I said, think about your work situation, if that's going to be um, something you need to consider. And at least for us, I still do get concerned about how that drive will go in those winter months and how you will be able to get to work on time and it'll be snowy. Of course, we'll figure it out when it comes, but... You also, I guess what I'm really trying to help you figure out here is how far you want to go. So you could be as far out and do the whole off-grid thing. And I know some people do that and that's their, that's what they're wanting to do. There are way better channels that can, than, and resources than mine to help you figure that out, of course, of two. But some of these things will still apply. Or is it going to be to the more minimal side of homesteading where you're in just a smaller town but it's still kind of busy around you. Um, you know, like for example, those that are used to Utah, like Bluffdale, Utah. It's it's pretty nice, bigger lots over there, but it's in the hustle and bustle of the Salt Lake Valley. Are you wanting to do that kind of homesteading where you're still in town but still have land? For me, like I said, I want to have it be far enough out that it's that culture and that lifestyle is is stripped away. You can't really live that way necessarily anymore unless you're going in the 30 or 40 minutes to get to all that stuff. I, of course, would like even more. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm just worried about the growth that might ha happen between the time that I buy it and 15, 20 years down the road. Where Will it still be quiet? Will it still be that lifestyle I'm looking for? And you just don't know, but you can be somewhat savvy and strategize that and knowing and making your right decision that way. And you want to think about where your urban fringe will be so that you can get to your resources sometimes. I'm still going to be going to Walmart. I'm not homesteading to the sense that I'm going to be making all my food. I'm going to be making my own soap. I'm going to be sewing and creating my own clothes. I'm not to that point. I'm still going to go to Walmart. I'm still going to go into town to do things. It's We've already been living this way for a while. I'm not going to be going to be in a pioneer this like that, that quickly like that. I just want to learn those skills and be ready, like I've said, for when the Savior does come and those events up to that point. And I enjoy living slower. 
But for you, understanding where is that hub you're going to go to where you're going to be doing your shopping, where you're going to be going to the post office. Maybe you do want to go get away for the day and you go into town an hour away and to the bigger areas of town because sometimes you can have your small town grocery store that, you know, you're able to see a few people go to that little local diner, go to that little local grocery store, but that still has that whole vibe of um, a really slower paced community. Or you're going way into the the city part area to really get more and more done and you can go see a movie. You could take your kids to the arcade and do that fun stuff sometimes. But helping you figure out in your mind where that's going to be for you on that urban fringe. So that's important to think about. Okay, so now that we've talked about where we're going to, how far we're going to be, let's talk about resilience. And this is important to think about because it is going to take a lot to be living this way. And I've had to wrap my brain around it for a while. Part of that few years of just having those listings come to me, watching the occasional homesteading video, talking about it with someone occasionally, really having that be a conversation in our house that someday we'll do this. It helped me be able to exercise that, that muscle there of resiliency of knowing that I would be having to do that and even trying to seek out things that will be harder for me right now so I can become that kind of person that can do hard things. I'm trying to do things that are hard even if I can't handle my own yard now how will I be able to handle a bigger yard then so really being on top of what you have now is a great a great way to start and be resilient and being able to take on this lifestyle and I have a good story about this in the sense that my husband if with all the conversations we had we've had in the past he has asked me before when I think of homesteading I just think of a lot of problems how how are we going to do all that I'm worried I'm concerned and so I was really grateful that he opened up to me about that and he was you know being clear about his needs and his concerns and it, he told me that it was part, partly when he thinks of those problems, he just doesn't want to do it. It's not worth it. It doesn't seem fun at all. Not something he wants. No, no, no. But for me, what's interesting, you know that you're the right kind of person to do this. Because when I think of that and he told me that, I gave it a good thought for a while. And then I came back to him and I said, you know what? That's actually gets me excited. Knowing that there will be some problems I mean, trust me, probably later on when I am in the problem and be like, what was I thinking? Of course, this isn't fun. But I know in the long run, it will be fun and it is all worth it. In a whole, correcting any problems that come up is worth it. It's part of, it may be a little bit part of me being a little bit crazy. <laughs> I do have some, I do have a screw loose. I have some madness to me, but I need to embrace my madness. This is kind of who I am. I like to do things. I like to start things and projects sometimes I don't finish them but I'm pretty sure I want to finish this one because I've been thinking about it for so long it's not running away from me and my husband knows that to be me where I start a lot of things I don't always finish but he's like you just keep thinking and talking about this you must really want it and I say yes and I know I'm in the right place of wanting to do this because knowing that there will be problems that arise all the time we expect it it is part of it something doesn't happen well it's going we I'm already prepared my mind mentally that it I have resiliency I know I can do it and that's 
going to be still some fun to figure out. I can do this. (laughs) And I know you can do this. But to each his own, of course, you may not be feeling that way. And now you're realizing, okay, maybe I don't want to do this and click off here any second. But Or you're knowing your spouse is like mine in that way. To each his own. And we all have to respect that of each other, right? So... Let's jump into some mechanics here of more of the how, right? I'm jumping back into that area of figuring out utilities. This is huge. So this all is under that category of finding the right piece of land. And you'll find that land will have some of the utilities and won't have some of the others. Or you would think that it would have um, gas if it has water, but... Sometimes it doesn't. Maybe you'll have gas and it actually won't have water available and you'll have to dig a a well. So let me talk about that a little more specifically in order of those that four those four categories of you need a you need septic, you need gas, water, and power. Those are the things that you need in order to live, right? At least live comfortably unless the the times get really hard and we're going to have to not have much power <laughs> and we're going to have to do outhouses. I don't know. I'm not a prepper necessarily, but I do have part of that in me. So I'm going to kind of talk about it in order of importance or difficulty. I haven't been able to figure this out and word it right, but it really, it's something that you're going to have to be aware of, of starting from easiest to hardest with septics being first, that most likely septic will be something you will have to do on your own and dig the hole, get this tank or at least hire someone to dig the hole and hire someone to install the tank and do that. Because you, if you're going to be that far out, you're probably not going to be hooking into um, a, a, a town's colon, or sorry, a town's septic a sewer. It's not probably going to be part of it. Sometimes you will find those lots that will do that. Um, I've just found with my own research, it's not usually happening as happening as often and I've accepted it. That's part of it. Just accepting that's a, that's one that will be most likely that you will have to do. And it's, um, it's really not going to be one of your harder and not going to be one of those things that break your bank. So it's not as scary of a thing necessarily. It's still going to cost some good money and I'm going to talk about it later, (laughs) but comparatively to these other ones. So let's get into that now. Now gas, you'll most likely need your own tank. And like I've said before with your septic, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you would be able to get into a gas line. But I'll talk about it later in those specifics with with some pricing breakdown, which is probably what you're very curious about. And I knew I was. I always wanted someone to really write down some pricing breakdown with how much all this can be. But it's all relative and especially if you're listening to this later or you're in a different place than I am, it'll be all different. But with gas, getting a thousand gallon tank is a great start and having that be in the ground somewhere further away from your house is a great place to start. So though you can have smaller tanks, there also are gas lines. Let me tell you a story about that. Sometimes there are, even if you're way out, further out um, around all the farmers and their homes and the huge acres in between, there can still be gas lines out there. It just depends. And so a story of that is when I went out to a place where there are a lot of turkey farms, 
there was I, there was this lot that I went and saw with um, the realtor. It was actually his particular lot. He owned it. He he's actually a native to that area. Older gentleman, super nice. It was cool to talk to someone that's just lived there, and he just knows the area. And he says, "I'm actually selling my lot here. Let's go see it." And so we went and saw it together. And he said, "You know, there's." power right here along the road you can build your house right here on the top party here if that works for you and you also get some gas it's actually along this road as well the only thing is water isn't you'd have to drill your own well and it usually doesn't happen in that order usually there's water and then gas but it doesn't matter necessarily it's just cool to know that there was some gas some natural gas that I could hook into rather than getting propane just as I was saying earlier I don't think I specified that that when you would need your own tank that means you're getting a tank of propane to heat your house you're not using natural gas now propane is a little bit more expensive than natural gas um, and you have to be a little more savvy of getting a good price on it every year and I'll explain that but it's part of um, what is what is the story of that lot that you find that those turkey farmers that were down that road and he also had a turkey farm down that road and he said that shed used to be a turkey farm and I tried that at one point now I don't do it anymore but he knew he said that the power company the sorry the gas company knew that they can get some business if they just ran ran a line out to those turkey farms and they would make that line for them because they get the business so you get that benefit sometimes now third let's talk about water you're either going to have a well on your property already dug. You're going to have to get your own well, or you may be able to hook into some culinary water. That's still possible even when you're further out and each lot has 5, 10, 20 acres in between. That's still possible, and I've seen that. Um, so talking about your own well, since it's pretty much already done, you'll just need to make sure that well that's already there existing is working fine. So that's kind of already done for you necessarily. But if you're needing to do your own well or culinary, there are still a few things you need to look into. So your own well, you will need to be drilling one with that local driller. And this may take a while because at least where I'm at, there's, and I the places I've been looking at, these wells are taking maybe six months to finally come out and have them dig that for you. But then there's another area that they said it was actually not going to be that long. So it depends on your area. Um, more like a couple months. Part of that time that it takes is because you're going to have to have the paperwork work parallel, hopefully, with being on the list with that company. So, you mean you're going to the, the county to finally get the rights for the well because there's going to be an aquifer at some point... Uh, at a certain depth you're going to hit water most likely but it is a matter of is it going to be 100 feet or is it going to be 500 feet <laughs> and that's a bummer if you have to go pretty far and of course doing your due diligence on the particular lots that you're looking at making sure as you talk to people around the area that also have their own wells drilled that they're like yeah I only had to go 85 feet and I've struck water whereas you might go to another area like I've gone to in Indianola and people had to go to 500, 600 feet in order to strike water. Plus, there's also something else about it um, that I'll talk about in a second. But it's going to be 
smart if you can get your paperwork working parallel with being on the list of the wait list for um, with the well drillers. So you're not having to wait until your paperwork's done and then turn in and be ready to have them take you on on their wait list. So be savvy. Talk to your local county people, the waters department, so you can get that right. And there's just, water is a touchy subject. Let me just say that. There's just so much, there's so much emotionally charged energy to it, <laughs> especially when you're in a dry state like Utah. So it just depends what you're going to need. But as far as I was saying, with the type of water you may get when you drill your well may make a diff- may may be part of what you need to watch out for too. Most of the time it's not this case, but I was surprised to hear when I went and visited a friend of a friend out in Indianola, and that's kind of boonies. Actually, that's really boonies <laughs> of where I'm of where I've been looking around in Utah. And they, of course, there's still a little community over there of people trying to be a little more off-grid. And they had to dig 550 feet or so to finally strike water. And the tragedy in that, though, is they're able to drink the water. It's just fine and use it for animals and stuff. But anytime they've been trying to grow anything with this water, its salt content is too high. And it's been killing their plants. And they are just so bummed with all that money they had to put into it. And, you know, like I'm saying, it can it can really vary. And they had to spend, I think, about 40 or 50 grand in order to get this water because it's $85 per square foot um, to dig down. And I'll talk about that. But it's just so, such a bummer. And that does happen sometimes. She's the lady I talked to, that friend of a friend. She was so sweet and it was so cool to meet her and make that connection. But she's more spiritual in the fact that she thought to herself, you know what, maybe God has something more in mind for us. We, we felt like it was right for us to be out here. And in, in, in the Old Testament, there is a story about, I think it was Elisha or Elijah, where he sweetened the water. And that's exactly what they need. So maybe as time goes along, there will be a miracle. Their water will be sweetened and they can finally have a way to water their plants better. They're doing different techniques right now to help it. But it's it's a little bit um, harder all around for them. So now this third part, like I said, there's already a well there. You have to get your own well, or you hook into culinary. And sometimes it's just a little little expensive. Really not in the grand scheme of all the other expenses happening for getting a homestead happening. But I looked into a place that had culinary. It was a it was a five and a half acre parcel in northern Utah, and they had culinary water along the county road there which is great but you have to pay $2,500 to hook up so yeah that's okay it's not that bad but it is something to be aware of but another part of that same property I was looking at is there is a wait list of getting on with their culinary water and they only allow two new people a year to hook up to their culinary water so does that tell you something (laughs) They're trying to pace out how many people move to their town, right? They do. They want to keep it a small town, and they're limiting that. So that's kind of a bummer, and I tried really calling the town person about it because it's a beautiful lot, and I would love it, and I think a lot of people would too. And the realtor said, yeah, if you can make them budge on it, that would be great, but I could have f- sold this lot five times over if they would have made that exception. And I think right now they're on a wait list of four, f- five or six people 
And it still can be possible. Sometimes people get on the wait list and they're just not ready to build, build. So they bump you up and they, and that's what they said that happened with this last one. Anyway, I'm giving you details so that you have more of an idea if this is something that perks your ears up, if you're one of those people that have had to deal with this. So let's move to our last part of our utilities part, and that is power. Okay, so power is going to be the thing that you can probably get most likely closest to you. That's it's You'd have to be pretty out there, and this is going to be the, the thing that it will be nearby most likely to some extent. You just have would have to be pretty out there if you don't have power nearby. And it can get expensive if you're trying to do the whole off-grid thing and have to, like, for example, I looked at a lot I loved and it was a beautiful area, but it, three miles away was the nearest place to bring my power to me. And I, ha I would have to have the power company come out. I'd have to spend 40 grand in order to get out there and do that. And sometimes people want to make that investment if they really are that inclined and then whoever else along along the time until there's more things that get developed along their way they get to have a payback from people that hook into it for with what you brought out and had to pay for because the power company will do it and then bill you and that just can get so expensive like I'm saying about 40 grand whatever it, it all depends um, just get thrown out an idea of a ballpark there so now let's talk about the property itself. We've talked about the utilities, the property itself and what you're really looking for, what it looks like and what you're really envisioning, what you're going to be doing with the property. This is the fun stuff here. Um, and like I said, <laughs> each land has its own story. So this is going to be helping you figure out what you want as well, because I'm really trying to help pull that out of you. And I knew I had to really pull it out of myself. It's going to take some time, meditation, and a lot of uh, self-exploration of what you know you want and what you can handle. So how much land you want is going to be what you need to know, of course. And let me tell you kind of my reasoning of what I'm going for with what I want. And I want at least five acres. And you'll find that a lot of YouTube channels, when they do say, you, if you want to start homesteading, what is a great... What is a great option to start off with? Of course, they also talk about those that try to homestead with a quarter acre even. And I mean, that's the whole concept of homesteading can be done at any level. But to really have enough room to get all your bases covered, five acres is a great start and a good minimum. And actually, zoning-wise, you'll find a lot of parcels are five or more. Um, and I'll talk about zoning a little bit later as well. Um but I'm looking for five to 10 acres and it's, it's hard because if you have all your different things that you want, like a garden, an orchard, a greenhouse, a small yard, a barn, a coop, pens for the smaller animals like sheep and goats and pigs, I mean, that's going to all add up. And especially your biggest thing is having enough pasture land for those animals to be feeding on especially your cows and horses and you're going to need so many acres per head in order to get them fed if you want them mainly fed uh, on the land but there's a lot of a lot of lot to that of course sometimes property can't produce the the amount of food it needs for your animal depending on if you have irrigation and we'll talk about that 
and if the land itself isn't doing well. So there's a lot of moving parts here, but I'm going to help guide you through that. But that's basically what I'm trying to help you get an idea of here, of, you know, that great setup of, of, a, of a homestead is having a garden and an orchard, a coop, the pens, and your own, of course, you could do some gardening for actually trying to make a little bit of money. And there's that garden and crop side. You have more area to do more of crop and bigger garden if you're doing a business. But then I'm talking more about also your table garden where it's right closer to your house. Or you're going out there a lot to use it and you're using it to eat more of your food there for yourself. Um, so it all depends. But one you know, you got to figure out what you're wanting to do. Are you really someone that just wants to have a table garden and just a little, like just some goats for, for just a little bit of animal to handle? That's all you can handle. Whereas someone like me, I do want to have the greenhouse someday and a barn to be able to store any of the food. I'm not looking for, you know, 10, 10 big, large animals. I'm looking for maybe if, about four or five large animals I'd like to have a couple of cows and a few horses but then that means I'm going to be pretty maxed out on my five acres so it would be great to have more we'll see what ends up happening but part of all this and why I mentioned this with um there's this term called permaculture I don't know if you've come across that yet but permaculture is this idea that these systems all work together and you're being respectful to the land and the land is being respectful and giving back to you if you're not overdoing it I mean we do not practice permaculture in urban society (laughs) we overrun the land it does not work for us very well or we we end up using the pesticides and the other chemicals to make it work for us So permaculture is more of that natural way of doing things of how God created it to be. And there's also a lot more to it than that. There's, there's a lot of angles that permaculture can take on. But for me, I feel like I don't want to overcrowd my acreage. And sometimes you see those small homesteads where they're overgrazed and just dirt because they have too many animals for what they can handle. And there's just too much foot traffic. And it's, it's ugly at that point. It's just dirt. And it's not being kind to mother nature, honestly, like I've said, and you, if you're doing it right, you're able to give it what it needs. If you give it what it needs in the space it needs, it will provide beautifully back to you. And with having even the right animals that can kind of work with each other and the fertilizer that can, the animals give the fertilizer to your crop, it, it becomes this beautiful circle. For example, if you have not already watched already, you need to watch the biggest little farm on Netflix or Hulu. It's on one of those. And it's about this couple that when they first got married, they lived in the heart of LA area. They were just in, you know, in the urban area in California and they were so ready to get out, but they, they were always used to living a city life and they were drawn to being more of a homestead family. And they thought they would start their own thing. And they bought 200 acres in the countryside of California, and I think it was an old run-down lemon farm, and they have made it into a whole new beautiful world now, and it's called Apricot Lane, I think, and it's just beautiful to see what they've done. I think they've been doing it for about 10, 15 years, and they've changed it completely around, and they've been able to use permaculture, these ideas and philosophies of permaculture to really 
to make it beautifully work together. And for example, they had a snail problem in their orchards and they were, they were getting to the fruit and they, it was really causing a problem. There were just so many snails, just thousands and thousands, but they had, they had ducks and they let those ducks go free on that orchard part of the land and they just gobbled up all those snails. So instead of making all that go to waste and using spray on it, there's great food for those ducks to eat. And then thus the ducks produced some fertilizer for that, for those trees. And it just became the circle of life. That was just beautiful. And they talk about that in the movie and you should go see it. And I think they even have a second movie that came out last year. And that was really fun to see that come up. So have that be something you're thinking about of what you want and even just make it fun for yourself. Draw on a piece of paper what you're wanting and put it on 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 a visual board for yourself to see what you want. Um, but it's just a great start to start with five acres. And also let's talk a little bit about um, what I was talking about with per head, per animal, how much acreage you need how much acreage you would need. It's going to be depending on where you go. And from what I was gathering in places that I'm looking at, that's farmland that could, that does come with irrigation. That is pretty good land. That's going to be growing crop. If they want to fully be, if I want them to be fully eating crop rather than me feeding them, it'll be one to two heads per acre. And, and if the pasture is well cultivated though, so it, And I'm going to have to figure that out over time. Of course, when I buy our homestead, I'm not going to be jumping right into that. I'm just going to figure out how I can landscape a little bit around my house first. And then the garden. And then a little coop. Starting with some easy animals. Um, And then someday, um, the goats. Someday, the the cows. And of of course, someday it would be so great to have a dairy cow. That's, That's a big one to really get to. To get to that point, it's all in stride. So... I'm so excited to talk about more with you. Now let's end it here and we will talk about irrigation and talk about, let's see here, other things to consider is kind of these outlier examples of things, these random ideas that you may need to know about when you're thinking about buying land, such as your location, the lot size, the zoning, HOA. Then I will jump into your house and what you will do, like I said before, the custom build, manufacture home and talking more about that or the other different ones like barn dominiums or shed houses or build it yourself kits or whatever. And then I'll be talking more about the budgeting and kind of it's ish. It's not going to be exact numbers, but these numbers are going to vary and hopefully give you an idea of what you are looking for and some other fees as well. So I'm excited that you are here and are learning and that you can make this a reality for yourself and stay tuned for part two.